What's going on, everybody? This is Andrew from Superhouse. This week we have a really special episode. Um, this is a really wild card episode. I gotta say, this is uh, me comparing, well, me with some friends comparing Scandinavia to Japan. And uh, the video for this is actually on my other page, which is Thunderwolf Productions on YouTube. If you just search for Thunderwolf Lives or Thunderwolf Andrew, uh, on YouTube, you should be able to find me. Um, this was just a really cultural one, not really a pop culture one. Uh, it's just me and people that aren't from Superhouse, really. Um, one of the guys actually is from the college days, the Swedish guy. But uh, yeah, Wolfie's not there, Ben's not there. It's it's just me from the normal Superhouse crew. So um, it's a real wild card one. This podcast episode is going to be a wild card for the Superhouse podcast, but we're going to put the video on Thunderwolf's YouTube page. So, um, anyway, let's get right to it. Okay, everybody, welcome to Thunderwolf. Uh, Thunderwolf lives on uh, on YouTube. Um, I usually, I've been doing a lot of uh, Superhouse podcast stuff, but uh, this is, uh, it's been a long time since I've made a video on uh, Thunderwolf, so here we go. Um, I'm here with my two friends, um, Peter. Hey, how you doing? And Felix. Hey. Yo. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be comparing uh, Scandinavia and Japan uh, culturally. What are, the, what are the, some of the similarities? Mainly similarities, not so much, that, well, some differences as well. Um, and I thought about doing this video because... I don't know. I just uh, discovered a little bit more and more about Scandinavian culture. I have been to Iceland before um, as well, and I lived in Japan for three years myself. That's where I met Felix. I met Peter at college, actually, and uh, Peter is from Sweden. Felix is Japanese, So, and I am American. So um, I thought I would need a little bit more legitimacy here in this topic before, we, uh, before I really made this video. So... Um, yeah, and also I want to remind everybody that we are not uh, experts, none of us. Even if you're from that culture, you're not an expert on the history of that culture. We're not historians. We're not experts. This video is for fun. That's it. Um, so we're just having fun here, guys. Okay. <laughs> Peter and I are film majors. We, we majored in film in college, and Felix is a philosophy major, so maybe some of that will seep into the conversation uh, a little bit, but yes, definitely not like uh, anthropologists or historians here, okay? All right, so let's just have fun. All right. So the first similarity uh, that I think I wanted to bring up first because it always impresses Japanese people the most is that people in Scandinavia take their shoes off uh, when, when they we, enter a house. Inside, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a shocker for me when I moved to the States, uh, people walking in with their shoes. Yeah. So I, I had not noticed that before. I've never experienced it before. See, this is, I think, more common. I, maybe we, America gets it from a British influence or something. Or do you know if Germans wear their shoes inside, Peter? Not sure. Not sure. Okay. I, I can't comment on that. Well, now, now it's like all I do. Like, even if I wasn't married to a Japanese woman, I'd probably still be taking my shoes off inside. This is just something that seeped into me. Uh, I don't know. And um, so, like... So you used to wear shoes when you were... Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm from Alabama and Georgia, so, uh, yeah. Taking your... They, I, you know what, though? I remember there were some families. I'd go over to a friend's house... And they even in Alabama and Georgia, they their families they would take off their shoes, but by and large, like around ninety percent, I'd say everybody just kept their shoes on inside. Even in your <laughs> bedrooms. Even in the bedroom, even on the bed sometimes. <laughs> how can, how can yeah. you relax with a? Exactly. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So when I was a kid, I remember, I would keep my shoes on all the time until I was in bed. And my brothers, they would take their shoes off immediately. And it wasn't like a culture thing. It was just like they wanted to feel freedom. But, uh, yeah. Um, and don't you still have the full carpets in the U.S.? I remember that when I lived there, both in uh, Hawaii, 97, and uh, L.A., Savannah. It was always the full carpet. 
yeah. in every room. And uh, I swear, walking around with your dirty shoes on that carpet, you know, it's... I think people just believe in the power of vacuums. <laughs> yeah, true, uh, but... Uh, I don't know. Uh, people... I don't know. You just vacuum it every day. I mean, it does, it's a lot. It makes it, it gives you more work to do. But so, do people really vacuum it every day? And that would depend on the family. Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I I actually don't see that happening. Someone yeah. vacuuming every single day. Yeah, probably most families don't. I think most people just don't. I would say most Americans probably don't think that that dirt's really going to get everywhere, but it really does. And it's a usually small dirt on your shoes that you, unless it's like a big skid mark or something, I think I'm playing devil's advocate here. They ju you just won't see it most of the time, but it will build up. So you guys yeah. lay on the floor it, ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Americans are dirty, man. I think we're a little bit dirtier. <laughs> Even in New York, people people wear shoes. I'm I'm not from New York, but I would say that by and large, most I think most families let, even to this day wear shoes inside in America. Well, other countries wear shoes inside. I think probably England, because I think that's where we probably get it from. I've oh. I've seen it in Spain as well. Spain and Italy, I've seen it. Oh yeah, they if wear. If it's if, I don't know if it's common there, but. The, I, I've definitely seen it there, reacted on it when people used to walk inside with coming straight from the beach and they would just walk straight in. And you were like, that's gross. Nah, <laughs> no, but I reacted since I was starting to take my shoes off and they're like, no, no, leave them on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's just, it seems to be that between the two cultures, there is a, uh, a little bit higher standard of cleanliness than what we see in America. Um, nah. And you don't think so? I don't, I'm not sure if I'm if I would agree on on cleanliness other than yeah the shoes of course but I don't think Swedes clean their house you know dust and stuff like that more often than an American family I okay I don't, I don't think so no how do you feel about that as far as uh, Japan Japanese standards Felix uh, what was the question <laughs> how do you feel about uh, do you th in general, do you think the Japanese have a higher standard of cleanliness than Americans? Americans. Um, yeah, when it comes to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the housewives, they're, they're really meticulous when they clean. Yeah. And also, there's this uh, Buddhist influence where they're known for cleaning the temples every day, right? That's like what the monks do that's part of their training and somehow do you think that that's interesting so you think that that religious that was a religious influence there yeah i think so it's so yeah it's if you look at like the wabi-sabi thing right and it's it's yeah it's, uh, it comes from buddhism uh, probably zen in particular uh, those kind of things um probably seeped in I, I actually looked that up. Yeah, it was. Uh, I couldn't find who created this term wabi sabi, but this this term wabi sabi is from. Uh, it was popularized by a Japanese monk named Senno Rikyu, Rikyu, and uh, yeah, uh, Wikipedia was sure to point out that it wasn't made by him but popularized by him. Um, I think it for, came from for China. Probably. I mean, Buddhism definitely came from. Well, originally India, but Zen came from, I guess, China, but then it became really big in Japan. Yeah. That was a thread of Buddhism that became most popular. Anyway, if you guys want to, um, just to explain to the audience, uh, wabi-sabi is two Japanese words put together. Wabi is defined by rustic simplicity or an understated elegance with a focus on a less is more mentality. And sabi is translated as taking pleasure in the imperfect. Um, one way that I personally uh, translate this is plain beauty or beauty that doesn't necessarily call to itself, beauty that's not gaudy. And this can trans we can transition into the next point, which is the taste for minimalism, especially in interior design. So in 
Japanese culture, I, it, we could probably uh, assume that minimalism as far as interior design, and we're talking, well, I mean, look at a Japanese home. There's a lot of um, open open space, like empty space, kind of. Uh, it's not like full of a bunch of shit everywhere, generally speaking. Um, and uh, wabi-sabi basically probably influenced that. And uh, as far as in Scandinavia, Peter, um, similar, would, similar. But do you think that it's not quite as old as as the Japanese tradition? Correct. I would say, I want to say that it's influenced a little bit the German. I think, if I remember correctly, from uh, art history with a Bauhaus. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, and you can see that reflected in in one of the biggest corporations in the world with ikea it's not right, cluttered right. it's not like right. you said shit everywhere it's just you yeah. know you put your couch in you put your little coffee table you put your tv bench and your tv and that that those are the bases and then you build from there but a lot of people have stopped using these thick embroidered curtains you know it's not it's not cluttered anymore in the 70s, 60s, 70s, you could still see it, but I think uh, it's definitely more modern or more current here than it is in Japan. We don't have yeah. that old tradition. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that informs the culture at large, wouldn't you say, Felix, as far as... I think a lot of Japanese people don't even think about it. They just see it as that's just Japanese culture, but it definitely came from somewhere... And uh, I think a lot of it can point back to Wabi Sabi. And my personal theory is that I think that some of that is probably a response to China. They want to be different from China because China is obviously super bold and a little bit gaudy. And uh, I think, I don't know, I, who's to say what Japanese people were thinking a thousand years ago? But I feel like maybe they saw that and they were like, I don't know if that's for us. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, Senadiki was explicit about that because China have, had this, um, well, they were into like symmetry and perfection. Right. Like, you, if you take uh, teacups or whatever, right? And then Senadiki was um, valuing the imperfect forms and like the, the mistakes you would find in the teacups and that would be beautiful to him. Right. The plain beauty. So, so that would mean basically that the the Japanese tradition is from more, like like your minimalism is more of a philosophical point of view. It came from that, while in the Scandinavian, it's more of a trend, a style that developed. Or yeah, no. I think that sounds right to me. Yeah. 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 So it's a deeper meaning in Japan than it is in in, in Scandinavia, definitely. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because it has that Zen Buddhism root. Yeah. Well, the irony is modern Japan is uh, so cluttered, right? At least, uh, at least yeah. outside. Yeah. And some of the um, the backgrounds for the game shows are ridiculously cluttered. It's like a response to their own Wabi Sabi or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, Okay, so the next point is, this is a big one, they both have old religions that worship nature, essentially, and of course, every religion, a lot of religions, you know, worship nature before the Abrahamic religions like Christianity and so on, but let's just draw that comparison right here, um, of course you have Scandinavia has, I mean, there's no name for this, right, it's just Old Norse Pagan, like, there's not really a name. Yeah, Nor Norse pagan, and then it became the Norse gods, Odin, Thor. You know, uh, still, you know, they they were personified, you know, with the the god of thunder and god for this and god for that. But uh, yeah, it, it was it that comes from like worshiping nature and and sacrificing to Mother Nature as well. Right. Um, yeah. And then on the Japan side, you have Shinto. I've been advised to not say Shintoism, it's Shinto, and uh, that's the Japanese religion that's native to Japan. Uh, this is 
nature worship it. I think to me, from what I, as an outsider, I lived in Japan for three years. Felix still there. Um, I think that it influences almost everything in Japan on a very subtle level. Uh, maybe even more than Buddhism in some way, because this is the only religion that is native to Japan. Uh, Buddhism is from India, like we said earlier, then went to China, then Korea, and then finally Japan. But Shinto is what they... Uh, from what I've read, they didn't even have a name for Shinto by the time Buddhism came around because it was just our beliefs. When, when Buddhism came in, they're like, oh, we got to name our own shit now because we got to differentiate. Um, but, but Buddhism yeah. is so, so much more systematic and philosophically explicit and... Yes. Or Shin, Shinto is more kind of, um, uh, I don't know if spontaneous is the word, but yeah, it feels more um, natural in a way. It's it's um, it's kind of I guess kind of like the old Norse religion. We there was no na name for it, as you said. Um, there is no systematic philosophy, right? At least there wasn't. So. Yeah, there's not much philosophy as well in, uh, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the old Norse religions, right? It's just you have the stories and the mythology. Yeah. And also, I, uh, you and I, well, with Felix as well, had a little uh, talk about the, like a pagan temple in Uppsala. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there, there is, there are no real, what I, what I, found out I'm, i like i said no expert anything like that just one theory that there is no like real evidence but it's actually supposed to be under where we have the uh, cathedral today the christian cathedral yeah. and uh, uh, and there was actually a theory as well with this pagan temple uh, someone wrote in 1649 or something like that a philosopher actually yeah. um, stated that this pagan temple was the center of Atlantis. So Uppsala was actually, <laughs> in his opinion, Atlantis was based in Uppsala. So that's where it came from. And nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's awesome. <laughs> I just love that theory. I read about it today and I was like, okay, yeah. And it was like the last major pagan, the Norse pagan temple. Basically, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, so they have um, a lot of similarities as far as um, personifying nature. Um, obviously, you have Thor with thunder, and Odin is what? Everything? Just great? Like the universe? Uh, wisdom, basically. Okay. Yeah. He sacrificed okay. Uh, his, he sacrificed his uh, one of his eyes in the well of wisdom to, you know, be able to be the all-seeing and, and uh, all wisdom, stuff like that. Okay. It's that's been so a while. I need to, I need to so, freshen up on it. But, yeah. So reminiscent of uh, shamanism, right? Yeah. There's probably a lot of that going on. I mean, Shinto has a lot of shaman aspects to it, right, Felix? Yeah. And there's said to be some like living shamans still practicing, but those are really rare. Yeah. And apparently there's... um. A little bit more, uh, what do you call it, like, acceptance of women in Shinto, too, I think. You don't see a whole lot of women Buddhist monks, even today. today. And and I don't know why that is. I'm not going to really comment on that. I'm not very uh, educated on that particular aspect. But... Uh, I From what I from what I read, some of the top... The top priest is a, often a priestess, the Guji... I don't know, and I think, and I've read before, again, not an expert, but that um, before, like, the Abrahamic religions came to to, to Europe, and, 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 like, the Old Norse and even Celtic and Druid, Druid and all that, there was a little bit more, uh, you know, not that they were super woke, but a little bit more acceptance of women, a little bit less, I don't know, like, the playing field was a little more equal, and people talk about Vikings... Viking women often had a lot more rights in ancient times. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, right? They they could they inherited their husband. They could own property, trade, you know, have their own business, and uh, be be really the, the 
the head of the household, you know, kept the economy, like the finances for the family, everything, and had a lot, had a lot to say. And definitely. Yeah. I read so that was big. true in Iceland and by, yeah. I, I think it was to a lesser, lesser extent in like Sweden and Norway. Well, I, I don't know if it was more common in Iceland, but there are rune stones. I actually worked on a documentary this past summer in Stockholm where we visited a very old, very large rune stone, very important one, who tells the story of uh, this landowner, very powerful woman who, who very wealthy and, and, you know, had inherited her husband and then kept her family together with her wealth and, and uh, ran the whole community there. Well, um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it, that was just one out of a hundred, but uh, definitely it, it was, it was common here as well. Absolutely. Within the Viking culture. Especially, and you see there, there was, they found remains of uh, women warriors too on the boats or something. Um, yeah, there has been, there has been some sort of uh, evidence for that. So, yeah. um, and, and also there, there are uh, uh, in, in, in uh, North America, there's also, uh, they found uh, in all these digs, they found like proof of the women coming over and actually establishing their families oh, there. It was not just a husband. It was like if a woman could bring her children over and start over in North America. So, yeah. Yeah, it can, it can be said that maybe some of that was uh, regressed after the acceptance of Christianity because uh, the Bible is obviously pretty male-centric. So, so yeah, it's uh, interesting to see what happened. I mean, you know, what, what happened there. Um, this is, the next point I have is uh, something that I heard when I was actually, I was in Iceland in 2016, I think, and I'm in a bar in Reykjavik, and this other American dude we talked about Norway. Don't know how we got on that. Well, it's obvious. I mean, we were in Iceland, so I guess that it's going to happen naturally. But uh, this American dude said, "Oh yeah, Norway, Scandinavia—they're all rule followers." And I was like, "Shit, is that true?" But it seems to be people—people people do say that, and I think that's a similarity with Japan, and and maybe that's similar at large. Like as far as like, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about that, Peter? Like people people don't really like break break a lot of society's rules all that much no we have comparatively in sweden, we we have something called jantelagen okay. here in sweden it's okay. a it's a word like an old thing it just states that you're not better than the next person right so you remember that the, the old video game lemmings yeah yeah that, that that's sweden you know if someone says that this is the way we march most people march that direction. You know, that that's just how it is, uh, and uh, it's you're actually looked down upon if you're wealthy. In some areas here, you, you're actually looked down upon if if you're very wealthy, unless you've won the lottery, because everyone wants to win the lottery. But if you've worked and made a lot of money, people might just oh, so you're one of those. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, well, where does that come from? You think you, you yeah. think that's a pre-Christianity? I I I don't know. It's very typical for Sweden. It's not the same in Denmark and Norway. Actually, okay. it's it's a very okay. a very typical uh, Swedish thing that uh, this saying jantelag and that yeah, don't think you're better than the next person. You know, I we think should that's all similar. It's a little socialism in my opinion, you know, <laughs> to the stretch of communism. So it's not, not something I uh, speak towards, but, um, but that's cultural though. And political, I mean, the culture is going to influence the politics, I guess, but exactly. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? As far as uh, relating to Japanese culture, Felix? I think in Japan, um, well, we're very conformist and I think that comes from Confucianism. Mm -hmm. And but in the on the other side, what there's also this uh, the Buddhist aspect where like you follow, you do everything you do, you do it meticulously, 
and there are all these set formal rules, right? Like like especially in tea ceremony. Yeah. And so there are two aspects that come together, and it just uh, informs everything, every aspect of like the Japanese psyche, I think. So I made this video on Kudo, and this is on the Thunder Wolf channel too. Kudo was Japanese Zen archery, and this guy, the guy that does that, this uh, dude in in California that I interviewed, he he was saying he he's he's a white American dude, but his his teacher is Japanese, and he was saying that Kudo they were at like this i don't know this tournament or not really a tournament but there was a gathering and the and the and the top japanese dude was there and this guy's taught him everything right so but they part of kudo is there's a kind of a ritualistic step up to the target kind of thing and uh from us from seiza the seated position japanese sitting on your you know on your uh, on your knees basically and so the guy gets up this old dude, he must have been like 60, 70. And then for some reason he does like a turn and no one knows why. Maybe he just got old and senile. But, and then he does the shoot and everything. And like this turn is not what you do normally. But everybody fucking like, they go against the code. They follow exactly what that guy did. So I, that's like, that's martial arts too. So that's maybe a certain subsect of Japanese culture, but I think that's a little bit related to this thing. There's something about, and I'm not saying that Scandinavia and Japan are the only cultures like this, obviously, but there is at least this comparison we can draw here that there is a little bit more, I don't know, rule following, less rebelliousness in that way in, in the two cultures. And maybe that's because the... the Society really works out for you, I think, in those two cult, the two cultures, a little bit more than it does here. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. America, it's like the the government. I don't know. That's another topic, but it doesn't work out for you quite as well as it does maybe in 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 your respective countries. You know, it doesn't work for you. Um. All right. Uh, another. another uh, this is a, obviously a big one. Uh, the two cultures are known for uh, was warrior culture in the past. You have the Vikings and you have samurai, ninja, all that stuff. Um, and I guess you can kind of toss this up to just there being the 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 like America. I guess America is fucking like cowboys and lawmen, but it's I don't know. It's not as cool to me. Uh, and, so the, and the culture's not quite as old either. Um, you know, so. Um, but I think one of the one of the differences you can draw though here is that Vikings pretty much didn't really have a code. It was just <laughs> plundering and fucking like, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, but that it, that's not all they did. You know, they, yeah, they yeah. traded, they explored, they were seafarers, they, right? Like rape and pillaging, you know, going a berserk, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a Viking thing. Yeah, that was the, they, the way they they fought. But yeah. you know, they they were primarily trading and seafarers. So right, right, right. And my understanding is that they they had their code of honors and um, they would have their rules, you know, in, that were implicit. And... Yeah, like internally, yeah, and, and and also their traditions and and you know. Uh, how they said farewell if someone died, you know, with uh, 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 lighting fire on the Viking ship if the king yeah. died and stuff like that. So, yeah, they they had a good code of honor, even though they might seem, you know, like ruthless warriors. But, yeah, the places where they hit, you know, they weren't ruthless. But at the yeah. same time, they could go to the next village or city and trade and... Uh, you you find you know Roman swords up here in Sweden uh, yeah. that you know they were traded and so yeah yeah the Viking sword a lot of it came from Paris as well I oh, heard yeah. oh all over the place yeah. yeah yeah um but obviously you have Bushido and who knows how much each samurai actually followed that shit but it is part of the culture uh you know what I mean uh not to say that every samurai in history was honorable or anything like that but at least there was that that culture was was there 
uh, Book of Five Rings to Sun Tzu and all that to um, I guess that doesn't necessarily Sun Tzu doesn't deal with honor so much though just strategy I guess but uh, and that's Chinese but it would have influenced the Japanese side to a certain degree um, but Felix you have anything to say as far as compare anything else comparing uh, samurai to Vikings yeah so I, I read a number of um, Icelandic sagas I remember reading this uh, particular one I forget what, what it was called but it is depict depicted um, two warriors in a duel duel fight and then yeah one of them um, he turned his back on, on his opponent to tie his um, sandals or whatever but this apparently this indicated um, he he didn't really need to do that. It was just to show, um, give, give his opponent a chance to break the warrior's code. But but his oh. opponent didn't strike him down because that was part of the culture. It was um, implied that there was this honor. And, um, I guess it was basically a shame culture in their, that was their bushido, if you will. Right. So... They had their own. I get. I guess it was in Japan. The bushido is more uh, philosophically uh, explicit, right? Laid down, but in places like Iceland, it was there. There was this code that, like, um, there there was this implicit understanding. Yeah, warrior. I guess a lot of warrior codes can be similar throughout the world, huh? Uh, so the next topic is uh, Scandinavia in general uh, is is pretty safe and clean. Well, let's talk about safety, I guess, mainly. We talked about cleanliness. Um, and Japan is often ranked pretty high as well. I looked this up. Uh, Sweden, th- let, me, let me know if I'm wrong, Peter, but Sweden has a seems to have a, a growing crime rate. Not to say it's as bad as America by any means, but um, just to put that... Just put that out there, but the global peace index, according to the global peace index, Iceland is generally the safest country, and then Denmark is fifth, Finland is 14th in the world, Norway and Sweden are 19th and 20th, but to put this in perspective, the U.S. is 128th. <laughs> so we can say that Japan and Scandinavia are similar in this regard, uh, especially if compared to America. What was Japan's ranking again? Japan is uh, crap. I have to look it up. Hold on, <laughs> it's pretty high though. Probably safer than Sweden. It might be. Uh, let me see here. They spent number one in the past. So it's number nine, I think it says. Oh. Yeah, as oh, of twenty twenty nineteen. So that's up there with that's around the same place as uh, as Norway and Sweden. Then and we were nine, uh, we were twenty, right? Sweden was twenty, I think you said. I think so. 19 yeah, or nineteen or twenty. Yeah, still still pretty good, but uh, yeah, uh, it's like you said, it's growing crime rate. It depends on who you ask, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking to the current government, absolutely not. We do not have a <laughs> high crime rate or anything like that. Uh, I don't feel as safe today as I did 25 years ago in Sweden. Okay. 25 years ago, I could go wherever I wanted. Was not didn't feel unsafe anywhere. Today, there are areas where I would avoid. To go yeah. by myself, definitely. Yeah. And we have a, we have a growing population. We have more different cultures here today than we had 25 years ago. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that that's all to blame, but me- several cultures in a smaller place like this, focused on a few major cities. Yeah, it will have its impact, definitely. Uh, we have. I think top three highest uh, rapes, you know, in in uh, or actually not regular rapes is actually the uh, the uh, gang rape. Gotcha. That's a new phenomenon here in Sweden. We didn't have that twenty years ago. You, you didn't okay. read the paper that some nineteen-year-old girl was raped by four or five, six men. 
which you can right. read about every week today wow. unfortunately where did that yeah, come the, from uh, now I'm going to sound very racist, <laughs> okay. but uh, no, uh, but it's an imported, it's an imported crime. We didn't have that 25 years ago, but uh, we have had a shift when it comes to uh, immigration. And uh, if you look, I'm not saying that they're responsible for all crimes, definitely not. But when it comes to these types of crimes, they're really violent crimes. It's uh, a majority of those are not by Swedes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. How does that affect the uh, immigration policy in Sweden? Uh, the policy is we, we're, we, we are probably the country in the world who has or the most open borders. Uh, like last year, we remember we're 10 million people in Sweden only. The last couple of years, we've had 100 to 150,000 immigrants coming into Sweden. There was a statistic I saw that uh, there are so there's the most people are learning Swedish by the Duolingo app in Sweden. So it shows that there's like a shitload of people trying to learn the language. It, it shows that there's a huge increase in immigrants, in a sense. But we, we don't have we don't we don't demand things really. If we have these asylum seekers, we don't really demand that they learn Swedish. Demand that they get a job. It's fairly easy uh, to get into Sweden, and you're you're taken care of. You get the child support. You get the unemployment. You get pension plans. Everything like that. Even if you've only been here for a year. Right. So so Sweden is is very lucrative. And it's been misused, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it had. Right now, we have an increase in a, a political party, very far to the right. Uh, some would say it's uh, the Swedish version of Trump. I've heard it's a Trump effect worldwide, man. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and it's growing yeah. here in Sweden as well. But that's because new problems have risen in the last couple of years, and uh, you know it's easy to blame the other guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, sure, a lot, a lot of a lot of problems have occurred due to the the, uh, the immigrations that we've had financially. Twenty five and, and twenty five years ago, could women. Uh, walk on the streets uh, at night. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah, I, all, all my friends when we went out partying, you know, everyone would walk home whenever we wanted. Today, I like my daughter; she's twenty years old. I don't want want her to walk alone at night. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared for her. That's uh, sad man. Twenty five years ago, we all did it. We all walked home by ourselves. No one was scared. Well, in the states, you have you have the car culture, right? So, yeah, and you have Lyft, and like especially in Los Angeles, where I live now, uh, Lyft changed everything. Like you can actually go out and drink now. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like it's without a DD, without a designated driver. So, um, yeah, that's maybe a, just a tangent to that topic, but, uh, but. It's still probably not all that safe, even with Lyft and Uber, uh, for women. So, yeah. Um, it's all kind of off topic, but yeah, which is bigger, uh, Lyft or Uber in LA? Uh, I'd still say probably Uber by a small margin, but I think Lyft is gaining popularity because why does every bad story about share driving or whatever you call it, it's always with Uber? Lyft is never in the news. Like bad Uber drivers are in the news kind of often. So I think that that's kind of influenced. Also, the, the CEO of Uber uh, was really public about supporting Trump. Yeah. Maybe even did some yeah. campaign contributions. Contributions, I don't know. yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, especially in L.A., that probably didn't go over so well. So um, <laughs> California at large. So, yeah, I don't know if we have Uber in Sweden anymore. Oh, really? Honest. Yeah, it, it, we had it in Stockholm, uh, but we have regulated uh, taxi companies, so you you weren't yeah. allowed to to offer someone a ride for uh, for money. 
That was oh, that's okay. illegal in Sweden. So I'm not sure it's still around. A few taxi drivers went on and drove for Uber as well, but I couldn't do it, for example, since I'm okay. not. Uh, yeah, since it's regulated. It really helped out here because with no train, not no trains or anything, it was just kind of hard to. I don't know. It was. It helped. You had the uh, subway. Nobody uses, nobody uses it in Japan. It's crazy. Well, we don't uh, need it here because the trains and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, the train's really good. Yeah. Have you been on the LA subway? Yeah, yeah. It's you know, depending on the line, it's it's okay. I mean, some of the train cars are are from Japan too. You see Nippon written on uh, some some parts of the train, especially the Gold Line. So the the gold line I'd say is good and then also the um all the newer ones expo line the thing is to me my perspective the red line the one that goes through hollywood and the purple line the one that's hollywood as well in the, in the korea town those are also underground which affects it uh does not not that safe I wouldn't ride those at night uh I even you know being I'm 6 foot 0 180 centimeters dude I still I, I don't think it'd be safe for me on for those trains at night. So, uh, so yeah. But Gold Line, yeah, not, not so bad. Um, anyway, uh, moving forward. Um, this is uh, a little bit related to the last point, I guess. Um, both cultures are really known for being shy, it seems like. I hear this a lot. Um, I knew this about Japan since I was a kid, I think, but I didn't know this about Scandinavia. And um, even so far as culturally, when you get on a bus or a train in Scandinavia, Peter, is it true that there's something known as the Swedish silence? Oh, yeah. You don't talk to your neighbor. You don't say <laughs> hi to your neighbor even. No, no. And, and if you're at the bus stop, you, you're yeah. standing. We're, we, we practice social distancing way before this uh, COVID-19 thing hit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. If you're at, if you're at the bus stop, you, you're standing, you know, a meter and a half, two meters yeah. apart waiting yeah. for the bus. And you get on that bus or the subway or whatever it is. It, it's better now, definitely, because yeah. most people have been abroad, you know, and for me, you know, I've lived abroad for, I don't know, 15 years of my life. So, so yeah. uh I, I always say hi to my next door neighbor when I when I'm sitting down at the train. If if I'm going to be there for three hours, of course I'm going to say hi. You know, we might yeah. sit and chat, but no. The, the in general, you don't do not talk to the neighbor sitting next to you. That is very have, similar in Japan, I think. Well, the Japanese are. I mean, part of the shyness comes from being polite, right, and being considerate. So, so I wonder if that's if. If there's a parallel there with um, in I'd say I, I said I would say it used to be uh, when I was younger, uh, people would stand up. If if I was sitting down, I still do it actually. But everyone, if you were sitting down in a crowded bus and an older lady or a gentleman walked on, you would get up and offer the seat to that person. Yeah, that doesn't happen uh, today, not at all. Yeah, yeah. People and then in, Jap in Japan, like um, like you wouldn't talk to strangers out of consideration. You do, you don't want to bother them. That's that's the kind of attitude. Yes, yes, that's the vibe I got too. Uh, Plus, it's, I it, feel it's, like they're it's so more modest. They, in Sweden. It, it, I feel like in 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 Japan, correct me if I'm wrong, Felix, but they're too modest about what they don't feel like they would have anything interesting to say to a strangers i don't know it's just like and then you have the whole thing like americans will often say like nice shirt dude like to somebody they do not know at all and pe japanese people always thought that was really funny <laughs> sweets feel that way as well i i yeah. did the same thing if i walk by someone like oh i really love your shoes they're like what are you yeah, talking yeah. to me <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That that part's pretty different from America, I, I think. Yeah. I don't know where we got that from. Cause I'm pretty sure probably England doesn't even do that. <laughs> no. And no, also the Swedish silence. Go ahead, Felix. America's a land of immigrants, right? So I, I, I read somewhere, maybe it was the Atlantic or something, um 
you need to mingle. It's 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 a way of being polite and being friendly. And you want to kill awkwardness as soon as possible. I think yeah. that's the underlying <laughs> thing. You want to feel comfortable. I think. I mean, I, I, this is a common experience a lot of Americans have when they go to Japan, and uh, is is that they'll get on a train, a very crowded train, and it will be fucking dead silent. And now that everybody has phones, even easier. I mean, I was in Japan in 2006 before smartphones. And it was still like that, you know, it's just how it, maybe it's how it's always been. So I, they have the Japanese silence and you have the Swedish silence. Is that the same throughout all Scandinavia pretty much? Like even Finland, would you say? Like it's pretty quiet? I would say Finland, yes. And Denmark and Norway, I, I don't have that much experience from Norway. I've only been there like a month and a half total yeah. Yeah. Uh, so i can't really comment on it but denmark uh, it's fairly similar maybe a little bit more open yeah okay mm. it was very quiet in germany when i was there like yeah in the trains and in the bus yeah that's just so German it, it, it's very different to, like if i go down to spain I, my, my parents they they live in spain these days and i live there myself and going there if you go out people start talking to you you know everywhere you know, there's always someone chatting you up. Would you say, so Japan is really known, uh, this is a related topic, uh, but uh, would you say that uh, Scandinavia is uh, as insular uh, as far as like, like Japan's really known for kind of not really knowing how to accept foreigners, uh, like... Like, I, I speak Japanese conversationally, married to a Japanese woman, and I think I'm more or less accepted by her family, but I feel like, I don't know, like, you can have a friend for a long time and you're never quite, it's, it's hard to explain, I guess. Like, in America, we're born with so many races and it's a melting pot and, like, so many cultures and stuff, but Japan doesn't really have that, even to this day, and... We also have this idea of like immigrants learn English and we hear accents all the time and uh, we're, we're used to people just speaking our languages automatically. But Japanese, they don't have, they don't really have that. They're not really used to um, this whole idea of a foreigner learning their language, especially. It's not really a thing to them. It's, it's some, it sounds kind of bad to say almost, but it feels like they can't even process it sometimes. It's just not, they can't even imagine it. You know what I mean? Am I, how, am I off Felix or what? No, I think it's spot on. I think for, for, foreigners are so exotic to Japanese. So. Yeah. So, um, often we say it's, it's an island thing because we, we're, we're an island nation. Yeah. We're so isolated. There was that history of Sakokutsu. Sakoku is the uh, period of national isolationism. It's so long in, in English. But there was a period in Japan's culture not too long ago where uh, they closed off their borders for like 200 years. And guess who opened them up? It was America. Because <laughs> we, we had bigger cannons than they did. Um, <laughs> it's essentially what happened. Um and the guy's name was Commodore Matthew Perry, by the way. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, do you feel like there's any kind of similarity as far as that's concerned? I, I feel like it's there, but maybe not quite as pronounced in Scandinavia. No, we we have a little bit of the xenophobia, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. a little fear of different culture. Uh, on the rise right now is a little bit like America, the fear of uh, Islam. Yeah, the Muslims, uh, but it's not it's not the people. Like I ha I have several friends uh, in pra practice Islam, but I think it's a lot to do with uh, not knowing exactly what it is, not understanding, not understanding the language, and it's it's different. It's very different. So it's uh, xenophobia. It's, I don't think it's racism in general that we have in Sweden. It's xenophobia. Some of that stuff is just human nature and it's just hard to, you have your own kind of like ecosystem going on there and then you have a new element thrown in and, and that's just naturally things are going to happen like that, I think. 
We we're yeah. a country, a small country, low population, uh, strong traditions, and all of a sudden we have to change it. You yeah. know, a yeah. lot of people can't yeah. cope with that, and and yeah. we shouldn't change it. Absolutely not. But still, you know, there's more to the world than just you know midsummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that movie was okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, this one, I think we can kind of throw American to the mix. The next point, um, th I think this is pretty interesting. Um, it's a, Scandinavians might actually be similar to the U.S. in that uh, Americans uh, will often label themselves or somebody else as being OCD or ADD, ADHD, something like that. But in Japan, even to this day, they won't. They they don't really talk in those terms. They'll just say uh, that person's a little weird, a little strange. Chotokawatteru, you know, something like that. Uh, and um, I was wondering, is it is this is this true, Peter? Do you, do you think that people, in my opinion, America kind of overdiagnoses this stuff? I feel like everybody is ADD now. Everybody's OCD. Maybe we all are because of cell phones. Same yeah? in Sweden. Same okay. in Sweden. Yeah, but it's a new phenomenon here. We're talking okay. the last 10 years or something. It's okay. uh, everyone. Like if you, I remember in when I went to school, uh, grade school, middle school, you know, no one would just, no one was diagnosed with that. Today, right. you look in a class, you can have, you know, six or eight kids that, oh yeah, they're diagnosed ADHD or whatever it is. I'm like, okay. You know, right. it's, yeah. And I, I, how, how, how do you treat them with, uh, psychiatric drugs? And uh, no, 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 we don't, not as much drugs as the States, not at all. We try right. to uh, accommodate them in school. Uh, the teachers are very well educated on how to handle, uh, kids, you know, having outbursts or things like that. So, uh, uh, definitely some, some will have drugs or be on drugs, but I don't think it's anywhere near as uh, common as the U S we try to handle okay. it. Then I think we're more acceptable to it. It's not, okay. it's not a big thing, you know? Okay. So the kid has ADHD or on the Asperger, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's not an issue really. What are your thoughts on this Felix? Well, my image of states, especially in California, is everyone's on something. <laughs> Not everybody, but weed is certainly is pretty big right now. But uh, not everybody is on it for sure. I, try go ahead. Xanax. Oh yes, that's true. There, I've heard it's like 60 percent of America. Sixty percent of America is on one prescription drug, something like this. I'm in the ballpark. Here. Whoa. 60% and then 30% are on two prescription drugs. Whereas I'm, I'm pretty sure in Japan, that's probably a lot lower. And even if they are, the uh, strength of that drug is probably lower. I remember when I was in Japan, I had to go see the eye doctor. And even then the guy looks in my glasses, my prescription does the test. And he was like, the American doctors gave you a prescription. That's way too strong, but I, he didn't change it though. But he was like, cause maybe that would fuck me up even more at this point. So it's like everything is overprescribed. Every drug is stronger than it needs to be. I'm also I remember in Japan, uh, the uh, it, like ibuprofen type drugs, pain relievers, also like maybe half, or somewhere around half the uh, strength. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's a balance you can have. Like in Japan, maybe they need a little bit more. Maybe they're good. I don't know. But in the Japan, a little bit less, a lot less. Somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, the Japanese probably have a low um, awareness when it comes to mental health. Yes, yes. Unfortunate. I think that's yeah. also a, that's a factor, yes, for sure. And we still use a lot of uh, Chinese medicine. We call it kampo. Yeah. But like, yeah, it, like it's weird. Rather than taking an aspirin or something, people would take some herbal mixture. That's one to me. <laughs> to me, it's, it's, even to me, it's kind of weird. But that's one part of Japanese culture I I can't fully 
prescribed to. Like, I'll take my shoes off in my house every time now. But as far as, like, the Chinese medicine, I just don't... I, like, if it passes medical trials, sure, I don't give a fuck. But a lot of the times, people believe in it just because it's traditional. Fuck that, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into that. I'm not into that. <laughs> um... So the last point I have for today, guys, is just a quick, easy one in on a light note. Is it, I mean, traditionally in Japan and Scandinavia, just because of proximity to ocean, a lot more fish in the diet than probably a lot of other cultures. So uh, would you say, I mean, I think it's pretty common knowledge in Japan, but like how much fish is in the diet traditionally? Like, is it way more than, let's say, England or America or is it just a little more or it it varies okay. uh, 10 years ago i would eat like red meat yeah. um, four five times a week okay today so it's pretty, pretty common yeah very common today i yeah, barbecue in the summer, but uh, other than that, I don't remember when I bought a steak last, you know, it's been like this whole week, it's been shrimp, salmon, some tofu even. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, no, we, we, I think, yeah, we, we eat a lot of, we eat more fish here than uh Back when I lived in Savannah or yeah. L.A., I, I can't speak for, you know, in general for, for Americans, but uh, I, I eat more I eat more fish here in Sweden than I did when I lived in the States. Would you say that's all, not just you, but probably I, pretty common in Sweden? Uh, even yeah, now? I, th I think it's yeah. pretty common. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Do you, uh, Felix, do you think that uh, fish is still the main meat people eat in Japan? Because when I lived there, maybe that was just me, but I mean, we had a little bit more, especially sushi, of course, but it, it wasn't like every meal. You know what I mean? It was it was like, you know, a little bit more than America. Uh, yeah, I think Japanese are starting to eat more meat these days. Not they traditionally, though, right? They did not eat that much traditionally. Yeah, like when I was a kid, it was fish was like the main thing. That's changed. Right. Definitely. So it's kind of sad to see that change because you know. Because Amer is... they think they think America is cool and everything the American Europe does is uh, cool, but it actually might be to their detriment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I love me too, but. <laughs> so do I. I yeah. It. Yeah. So for steak, sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the cost of beef has come down probably in Japan too. So, well, so traditionally in Japan, there's no, there wasn't like a whole lot of uh, farm raising, right? Like maybe chickens and pigs, I think, but like yeah. no cattle traditionally yeah. in Japan. Yeah, like never, the, the whole never. Kobe, whole Kobe beef thing is a recent thing. Oh, is it? Yeah, I don't think that that's a traditional thousand-year-old tradition, man. I don't think there were a whole lot of cows in Japan back in the day. Are you sure? You checked out? I think, well, raising cattle requires a lot of uh, flat land, for one. That's why it was so expensive. Only the, you know, the, the yeah. higher-ups could afford it these days. You know, it's expanded, so now we eat Kobe beef, even in Sweden. You yes. Know? Which Famous you couldn't worldwide. find 50, 50 years ago, you know, I'd say before I moved to the States, I had never heard of Kobe beef. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's still like the highest, probably the most uh, expensive meat. Well, expensive beef probably there is. I heard they, they massage the cows. <laughs> they have a good life before they're, before they're slaughtered. Okay, guys, you, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Oh, what, what were you going to say? Can you get Kobe beef in uh, California? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that's it, guys. It's gonna do it for uh, this uh, episode of uh, Thunder Wolf. Uh, let me know if you need uh, you guys out there in YouTube want more videos like this. Um, I also, 
mainly recently do a podcast called Superhouse Podcast. So please check that out. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Go to the Superhouse Patreon at patreon.com slash superhousepodcast. We have a $1 tier there. And um, Superhouse Pod on Instagram. Uh, and uh, Peter, got any shout outs? <laughs> you could have prepped me for that. No, but sorry, man. <laughs> Any of your business dealings in in Sweden or anything like that? No. No, uh, no, no, no. This okay. Is, this is fun. This is just for fun. This is no okay. shout-outs for business. This is fun. Okay. And yeah. Felix. Uh, we miss you here, Andrew. You should come back. Yeah, I, I miss it. I'll yeah. definitely. Yeah, you were supposed to be here next month. I was supposed to be in in Sweden, uh, but then Corona happened. Damn and, Corona! Uh, exactly. Screwed me up, man. But you know what? I got twenty percent added to my cash points for Good. my ticket, so it's going to be very easy to go back into it. And uh, Airbnb gave me like almost twice back. Wow! They gave me some huge increase in cash points. So, so, uh, so yeah. Um, anyway, let's end the video and then we'll talk about that after. But uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks for checking us out. And, Thank you, uh, Andrew. Click hit and subscribe and all that. And uh, see you at the next one.